What's up, guys? This is your girl Yammy here for another episode of Cryptid Chat with Yammy. So first off, I would just like to say welcome back to any of our old listeners and followers. Thank you for the support, as always. And if this is this this words that are supposed to happen here that aren't happening, what I meant to say was, oh, talk about good impressions. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome to Cryptid Chat with Yammy. You're in for a treat, and I promise I am more articulate than what I just was. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. If you follow us on social media, then you know that I said that I was going to do a live episode recording during Hurricane Isaias. So the hurricane that's currently right now off the coast of Florida, not too far from where I am located. But um, as unpredictable as most storms are, especially in relation to Florida, um, uh, he is no longer a hurricane, but a tropical storm. So it's cryptid chat with Yemi live from tropical storm Isaias now. Yay, that's a fun. Um, So it isn't often that I guess I can record during a storm or what should be a storm. So I decided to take advantage of that, which is why our episode is live currently filming where I can look out my window and see the absolute nothing of the storm. So today's episode is going to be entirely storm themed. We have storm related ghost stories, um, UFO stories, and other little sprinkle dashes of mother nature's fury mixed with supernatural which is really really cool um i'm gonna spew some hurricane some florida hurricane stats so we can dive into that meteorology mentality if you didn't know when i was little i wanted to be a meteorologist and then that dream was shattered because i realized that i had some math and i don't math so now you guys will get to hear a little bit of my meteorology spiel about hurricanes Before we dive into our stormy, spooky episode stories, so let's just grab hold of our hurricane kits, aka in Florida, any alcohol of your choice, and pretty much a bag of chips, and settle in for some spooky, stormy stories. Alright, so putting on my meteorology hat, I have got some Florida hurricane statistics to share with you guys to get us in that stormy mood. So, for full disclosure, I have not lived in Florida my entire life. I have lived a good chunk of my life here in Florida, but thankfully I have not really been through any major hurricanes or anything. So, needless to say, anytime a hurricane does like pop up on the radar... My family gets a little nervous just because we haven't really gone through a, like, bad one yet. The worst one we had was Hurricane Irma back in, I think it was 2017 or 2018. And even then, like, I think it was only, like, a Cat 2 hurricane. So it wasn't too bad. But, like, I do know that other people are far more qualified to talk about their hurricane experiences than I am. So I'm just going to share with you the knowledge that exists of hurricanes with Florida. So to start off with, Florida is actually the number one state 
with the most amount of hurricanes. So it is the state that has been hit by more hurricanes than any other state in the United States. Um, which makes a lot of sense considering we are a peninsula and we just kind of, you know, we're just kind of sticking out over here in the corner. Uh, but we have had in our collective history approximately 500 tropical storms slash subtropical cyclones that have hit us. And um, ever since hurricane data like officially began being collected in 1851, we have had 97 major storms since then. So interesting little tidbits there and that's a lot of storms so i wanted to find out exactly what were the worst hurricanes that have hit florida so these are some of the worst hurricanes in our history so we have the labor day hurricane in 1935 which was a category five it left 500 excuse me oh my gosh i killed more people it left 400 people dead and it had wind speeds at about 185 miles per hour and then we had Hurricane Andrew in 1992, another Category 5 with wind speeds at 165 miles per hour, and it left 44 people dead. Hurricane Andrew, though, is noteworthy because up until um, Hurricane Irma, actually, the, the hurricane I went through, it was the costliest hurricane of the 20th century. So that's a fun little like title to hold on to. Then we have Hurricane Michael in 2018, um, which it hit the Florida Panhandle, so like Tallahassee area over there, as a Category 5, and it left a lot of crazy, crazy damage. We had Hurricane Charlie in 2004, which that name might sound familiar to some of you. It was Category 4 of wind speeds at 150 miles per hour, leaving 29 people dead, and then the... One of the worst in terms of, like, loss of life was the Florida Keys hurricane in 1919. So, as the name implies, it basically sat over the Florida Keys as a Category 4, and it left over 500 people dead in that time period. So, let me tell you, hurricanes are not to be messed with these little forces of nature can get pretty nasty and Florida is no stranger to them. So our hurricane season this year began Jan uh, January, began June 1st and it's running through November 30th. So at any point in time during that, we can get hit by a hurricane. Wee, which is so much fun. And actually this hurricane season is the first hurricane season on record with nine tropical storms forming even before August 1st, which is usually when storms start churning up. Which is great. I love that. I love global warming. So, the one of the most known like hurricane seasons and probably the most known hurricanes in general in association with Florida were the hurricanes of 2004 when Florida was hit pretty much back-to-back -back by four different hurricanes, one of them being Hurricane Charlie. So, that was pretty rough. I was very blessed to not be living in the state when um, that happened. We were living in Colorado at the time, and we were just watching it happen um, on the TV. But it was wild, like back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back storms. Just craziness. So currently, the craziness we're dealing with was um, Hurricane Isaias, now Tropical Storm Isaias. Um, it was... Tropical storm on July 29th, and then it was a Category 1 hurricane. Um, 
at the max, it had like speeds of like, I think it was wind speeds at about 75 miles per hour, but currently the wind speeds are about 65 miles per hour and it's just chilling off our coast. And to be honest with you guys, it has rained maybe twice here today. I haven't even heard thunder. So that's, I don't want to say disappointing because that sounds terrible because like it's obviously hurricanes can be absolutely devastating. So I'm, I don't want devastation, but I was expecting at least a little roll of, you know, a little rumble of thunder to kind of set the tone for today's podcast episode. But I guess I will take what I can. The storm is expected to chill right off our coast, like right nearby. Um, tonight slash early tomorrow. Like I'm looking at it on the radar right now and it's just, she's just chilling there right off the coast of like the Melbourne, Titusville area, Cocoa Beach, just chilling. And we're not really even getting outer bands right now because she's kind of like disorganized, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens throughout the rest of the day, evening. And I'll get back to you guys on if any craziness does change. But for now, now that you are in hurricane mode, prep thyself because we are going to head into our spooky storm stories right now. All right, gang. So for our first spooky storm story, we have the story and legend of the Gray Man of Polly Island in South Carolina. Um, I had not heard about this legend until I did a little bit of research, but it's a legend that dates back to around 1822 and is a very prominent belief on this island in South Carolina. So the gray man is described as a man that, as his name says, is wearing gray. He's seen with a cloak and he usually appears before a storm or a hurricane. Legend says that if you see him and you basically acknowledge him, see him, because yeah, you will be spared from any storm and your property and everything you own will be spared from any hurricanes or storms. So sounds a little crazy, but over the past 200 years, um, only about five hurricanes have actually hit that region. And every single time a hurricane has hit that region, there have been reports and sightings of the gray man. So very interesting kind of story. Um, so the origin of the story again, around 1822, it's not fully known exactly where it came from. We just have, again, it's like a legend. It's been passed down through the people, but like the most commonly associated legend or like story of its origin basically says that the gray man, when he was alive, was a sailor and he was returning home to go visit his lover. And that sadly on his way to see her, he was so excited that he wasn't paying attention. And he tragically died by um, falling into quicksand on the way to see her. Which I laughed when I first heard that. And then I was like, wow, that's actually kind of rough way to go. So the legend continues and says that his lover, when she found out, was you know overcome with grief and being the morning lover that she was, she began to, like, wander the shoreline, the beach areas by herself, you know, just, like, in mourning and sadness that her man's is gone. So, apparently, one time when she was wandering the shores, she encountered a man that looked like her lover, 
who would then disappear. He appeared to her in dreams then, warning her that a storm was coming. So the legend continues and says that her and her family took this warning very seriously. And they left the very next day. And literally the day after that, a hurricane came and like destroyed pretty much almost the entire island. But the family survived. They were spared and so was their property, their home. So that's where the legend supposedly originated from, and that's the idea, you know. You see him, you're spared kind of a deal. Um, some people think that the legend, uh, the gray man is actually the original owner of the island. Um, but again, it's just, it's legend, so there's no real, like, ties to that specifically. But locals are super familiar with this legend. Um, they He isn't viewed as, like, a malevolent entity or figure instead they a lot of people especially like the older uh locals and stuff view him kind of like a guardian angel so like if he appears you know take it as a sign to please take whatever storm is coming very seriously evacuate prepare kind of a deal um the story of the gray man has been spoken and passed down for many 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 years and it was actually uh, featured on an episode of the original Unsolved Mysteries series. Uh, if you want to know specifically which episode I'm talking about, it is Season 3, Episode 7. That you can see the um, history of the Gray Man's story. And then they also had a lovely interview with um, a couple named Jim and Clara Moore, who were a local couple that lived on Polly's Island. They had an encounter with the gray man along the beach just two days before um, Hurricane Hugo hit there in 1989. And the hurricane devastated, again, the island. It's a very small island. And their home was one of the only homes that was left standing completely untouched. Like, if you watch the episode, they go into, like, the full details of, like, what they encountered. And, like, when they got back to their home, how, like, literally nothing was like nothing was messed up like everything was perfect and then you see like their neighbor's houses are just like like absolutely gone it's crazy it's absolutely crazy so the gray man of south carolina is apparently a a hurricane storm warning type system and he seems to be a friendly spirit that uh, is still wandering around looking for his lover and essentially, I guess, maybe protecting people along the way. So that's a good, nice and fluffy one to start, right? Nothing too spoopy unless you, you know, I would probably like shit my pants if I saw somebody walking on the beach and then I turned around and they disappeared or they disappeared in front of my eyes. I don't know if I would take that as a guardian angel, but like to each their own. And... That is the Gray Man. So our next story is kind of a downer, I'm not gonna lie. So the second spoopy storm story that we have involves um, Hurricane Katrina, which hit New Orleans back in 2005. It is one of the most vivid memories I have like of a storm devastating an area. Um, but this is specifically, we're going to be focusing on the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina and how um, apparently to this day in the areas that were very affected by Hurricane Katrina, there are reports of like paranormal activity 
that take place in the region. So a little bit of background knowledge about Hurricane Katrina. It occurred on August 29th of 2005, and it made landfall over the Louisiana-Mississippi area as a Category 5 hurricane. It was an absolute monster of a storm, and it killed an estimated more than 100, wow, an estimated more than 1,200 people, which is crazy to think about in, like, today, like, like today's times kind of a deal that many people passing away because of a hurricane but yeah it was absolute craziness the majority of the loss of life unfortunately happened because of flooding uh the storm surge that came through new orleans which is already an area that's like under sea level naturally so it made flooding a lot easier to happen and a lot of the like levees and dams that they had to try to like you know protect the cities and different parts of the, like, town um, were, most of them, you know, were overrun by water or broke, and that, again, led to more flooding. Um, in totality, 80, about 80% 80 of New Orleans was covered in water for several weeks. And I'm talking about water, like, up to people's roofs in most areas. So, an insane, like, picture, if you can imagine it kind of a deal. So, New Orleans, however, specifically, um, is not a stranger to supernatural occurrences, paranormal activity. Um, it's, you know, it has a lot of very old structures and buildings with a lot of history. Um, there's, yeah, I guess it's just a lot of history there. So, there's been a lot of already known spoopy places kind of a deal. Um, and, uh, and then also another thing that New Orleans is associated with is like voodoo, like witchcraft kind of a deal. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a charged area as it is right now. But after Hurricane Katrina came through plowing, leaving devastation in the area, um, killing many people, displacing many people, several new locations began to experience strange paranormal activity. So one such place is currently um, a restaurant named Dini's Seafood Restaurant. It is located on the corner of Jackson Avenue and Magazine Street in New Orleans. And it is actually the site where a woman named Vera Smith was actually killed during Hurricane Katrina by a drunk driver. She was walking um, at night during the storm. So it's said that her spirit is like it seems to have remained at the site where she perished. Um, she, I guess the way that it's phrased, she perished and her body was basically left, unfortunately, in that spot, um, for several days without, you know, without anyone to really take care of it. And then I think it was the neighbors that ended up building like a makeshift kind of grave to put her body in eventually. So a lot of people report that this area just has like a lot of like strange vibes um or like they say bad juju it has just bad vibes it doesn't feel good something's off about the place um the original structure that sat there before this restaurant was another i think it was a burger joint i want to say and they had a lot of reports also of strange activity of like the lights turning on and off the temperature dropping suddenly kind of a deal and it seems that um, 
even now in that same spot where Dini's, uh, Dini's is now, um, some of these same occurrences happen on a pretty frequent basis. And it's actually not uncommon for people and visitors, guests, to come into the restaurant and actually like help cast spells to ward her off, to ward her spirit away. And um, in addition to that, they have actually built a small shrine um, in memory of Vera that is located on the side of the restaurant that was placed there in her honor and hopefully to help appease her spirit and help her pass on and not mess with people's seafood restaurants, I guess. But there are other places in uh, New Orleans, again, that were very heavily affected. One such place being the New Orleans Superdome. Many of us saw, um, and if you haven't, you can just Google it or see videos on YouTube, that, you know, th hundreds and thousands of people ended up being packed into the Superdome, this uh, stadium, um, during Hurricane Katrina because they could not evacuate. Um, they were stuffed there for days, I think weeks in some cases. The Superdome was basically used again as a shelter for the people. It was used as a hospital as well for those coming in injured. And then it became also a morgue for anyone that died in the Superdome and any bodies that were uncovered as well. So the Superdome prior to Hurricane Katrina, however, is built on the site of an abandoned cemetery. So it is believed that the spirits of those who died um, in the cemetery were already kind of roaming the place, but then add what happened with Hurricane Katrina and all these people in the Superdome, it kind of charged the energy again. Plus uh, the Superdome, unfortunately, while it was being used as a shelter and stuff like that, people um, began to take advantage of that and it became a place where there was a lot of burglaries happening. Um, Amongst the people, there were assaults, beatings, and unfortunately, even rapes that took place um, in the Superdome while it was being used for a shelter. So there's a lot of suffering and anguish and death even um, that are tied to the Superdome. So to this day, people report that they just feel uneasy in the Superdome, whether it's a psychological thing because they remember what happened or whether there's actually spirits that roam the halls, the dark corridors, is not fully known. But it is believed to be a place where there is some type of uh, activity that seems to be present, unfortunately. Some other worthy noted places that were also, that have also reported strange phenomenon since Hurricane Katrina. Let me pull up my list here. The Lower Ninth Ward, Charity Hospital, and the Memorial Medical Center. Again, so these are all places that have reported to this day experiencing strange uh, phenomenon, paranormal related, and these are all places that were heavily impacted um, by Hurricane Katrina. Actually, before we go on to the next story, I actually saw um, this lady had posted on Facebook. Um, a picture of Charity Hospital, which is abandoned, actually, since Hurricane Katrina, it's been abandoned, and it's this large hospital, and it looks absolutely terrifying, because it just 
sits there all empty and decaying, beginning to decay and stuff like that. And she was parking her car on the top of, like, the parking garage across the street where, I guess, she lives. And she ended up taking a picture of the hospital because she saw a light coming from one of the windows of the abandoned hospital. And I'm talking, like, one of the tall floors. And if you look at the photo, it actually resembles, like, and she says it in her post, like, it looks almost like a small Christmas tree with lights on. And it's so weird. And it's like, why? Um, but yeah, that's really crazy. Again, the place is abandoned. Nobody, nobody uses it. So I, yeah, that's just, it's just weird. I don't know if I would be that chill like she was and then just pop it on Facebook. But that's what she did. I was like vibing to like the transition music. Little little pop pop popcorn noises. Real cute. Anyway, so we are on to our third spooky storm story. And we are going over, not too far off from Louisiana. We are going over to Galveston, Texas, where we're gonna talk about the St. Mary Orphanage ghosts. So uh, the story takes place in September 8th of 1900. So a little bit of background knowledge on St. Mary's Orphanage. So originally when it was created, it was created to house the orphan children of yellow fever victims back in the, like, just before the 19, just before 1900. Um, it was run by a, by a group of nuns along with another local hospital. So at the time, Galveston was considered one of the wealthiest cities in the United States, and it had a population of about 36,000 people. So pretty well-off place, very nice, very pretty, on the beach, lovely place to live. Until September 8th of 1900, when the island was struck by a massive hurricane that caused horrific damage to the Galveston area. So approximately one-sixth of the population in Galveston was killed due to this hurricane. That is how devastating it was. And unfortunately, the orphanage was not spared from this either. So um, as the account from the children that survived goes, the orphanage began to flood as the storm surge began to make its way in. The children were taken to the second floor girls dormitories because they were the newest ones uh, built so they were stronger. The nuns um, basically you know, doing their job, protecting the kids, trying to keep them calm, having them sing songs, different things. And then as a precaution, as the, as the water started rising, they tied themselves to the children so like one nun would be tied to like several children just in case anything happened um to them so very very bold very um i would say a very like very honorable sort of move from these nuns good for them unfortunately um this the the basically the flood waters would not be the only thing that would affect the orphanage slowly the building was lifted off of its foundation and it began to collapse due to the storm surge and again just the force of the hurricane itself 
And unfortunately, 90 children and the 10 nuns that ran the orphanage all perished in the hurricane. There were only three survivors, and that was three young boys who were found. Um, basically, they all three of them ended up floating on a tree in the water until they were able to get to dry land and then go into the town and, and tell what happened to the orphanage. Um, so very sad. Most of the nuns, um, when they were discovered their bodies, they were actually still clinging to the children um, that they had been protecting. So very, very sad. Um, many of the nuns um, and the children were just buried together because that's how they were found. And again, these are orphans, unfortunately, kind of a deal. So sad, sad stuff. Very tragic. This um, area was considered one of the most haunted locations in all of Texas for a while. The orphanage site eventually turned into the Seawall Walmart. Of course it did. So now the Walmart there. And if you speak to employees there, you may actually hear the stories that the employees for themselves have encountered some strange occurrences. So according to some former employees of the Walmart, they had uh, strange things happen, such as like toys being moved, toys falling off shelves, toys and like toy pallets like going missing. Um, there was also several reports of like, you could hear like children laughing or like children crying out like, asking for their parents and this, this, and that, and, like, even apparitions, enough that, like, it would, like, fool the employees into thinking that there's a child that's in, you know, in need of assistance, and when they go, they don't find anything there, because there's nothing there. So, very creepy. Um, I have an interesting, like, fascination with the fact that this Walmart is haunted, because that's, like, not what I'm thinking when I'm going to Walmart. I'm going to Walmart. I'm thinking, like, I need to get my groceries. I need to check out things I don't need. And then I'm going to go and try and find one of the cashier places that are actually open. So, it's not what I'm thinking when I'm going to Walmart. Seeing some spoopy things. But apparently, it did it, these kind of things still occur to this day. Especially with the employees that work there every single day. Is also worth noting that in Galveston in general, because the entire place was so largely devastated by um, this hurricane in 1800, many of the other buildings in on the island report also a lot of strange paranormal activity. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like estimates between one-sixth one -sixth to one-fourth of the population basically disappeared. They were killed all in one night. Like, that's like a mass amount of loss of life. And um, in the research that I was doing, apparently like, because it was just so many people, they were just trying to figure out what to do with the bodies. Like they tried to like bury them at sea, but then the bodies would come back. Um, so basically like when they found bodies, they were just burying them where they could kind of a deal. So I guess it's, you know, there's who knows how many like grave sites and things like that that are still just plopped around the island and that kind of stuff, I mean, I could imagine would probably um, cause some slight issues with some spoops. So 
If you're ever around the Galveston area and you need to take a Walmart trip, go to the Seawall Walmart and see if, no pun intended, if you have an experience with any ghosty children there. So moving from spoopy storm stories involving ghosties, we're going to talk about a legend slash, I guess, conspiracy theory of a of a specific place in Mexico that um, may or may not be under hurricane protection by UFOs. So this one is a wild one, guys. So hang in here, okay? So apparently, um, in this specific a specific region in Mexico, there is an a organization called the Association of Scientific UFO Research of Tamaulipas, right? Tamaulipas. Tamaulipas. Um, we're going to abbreviate it ACOT. So this organization basically believes that there is nearby to where they are a interdimensional UFO underwater base that has protected the cities of Ciudad Madero and Tampico from hurricanes for the past about 50 years or so. Um, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. The president of this association actually claims that he has visited this UFO um, base that's underwater. Um, he claims it's called Amupak, and he visited during an intense meditation session through the usage of astral projection. Very Doctor Strange for you. If you believe that or not, that's okay. That's up to you. I'm just saying what he's saying. So the region is a hot spot for a lot of like UFO sightings and things like that. Um, but putting, I guess, like a slight damper to this theory by the organ the association is that uh, the region has had four direct hurricane hits in the 20th century. Um and even, like, when they weren't, like, the city, that region wasn't directly hit. Like, the city has faced, like, damages from storms. So, it's not, like, been completely spot off. Um, the group, however, does claim that um, that those don't count because they believe that the underwater base was created after these four storms occurred. And that, like, after it was created, that's when, obviously, the protection kind of began. Um it's not really known why this region in Mexico is reportedly, like they say, uh, protected um, by the UFO base. Um, I mean, like, even amongst the people themselves, like, they have a lot of theories as to why this could be. So, um, the members, some members believe that just the collective belief in this um underwater UFO base is enough to basically protect the region kind of a deal. Uh, there's been theories proposed about maybe there's just like a magnetic field like around uh, the base and like its surrounding areas. So that just kind of like naturally protects the base and I guess by default any area around it. Um, there's rumors that there are several different types of metal, excuse me, metal alloy bars that have been buried in the seafloor of that area. And, like, maybe that's the reason why. Um, and then it could honestly, again, just be, like, if you believe in the belief of this, um, 
underwater base. Maybe they're not trying to protect the cities nearby. It's just kind of like in protecting their base, they have like unwillingly also like protected the surrounding area. So that is a very strong belief with this association, but the residents of that region also have like a lot of strong beliefs in like the faith in like faith and supernatural in general. Um, like they actually had for a good minute, um, in 2013, they erected a green Martian bust in the city of me of Miramar beach. It's right there. A little alien statue that chilled there until it was, um, stolen rough. Um, um, I guess like opponents of these, of this theory and like of the, uh, statements that the association president and the association itself makes, um, point out that like the fact that they're like hurricane free kind of a deal is not necessarily unexplainable. Like it's not necessarily like on like a magical kind of level. Um, they think that maybe it's just the location itself and like other environmental factors in general make it just less prone to hurricanes and actually helps to like push hurricanes away to not really happen there so maybe there's a ufo base there that is protecting the city maybe there's not um maybe there is something there maybe there's not maybe it's just the location of the area that is un like basically protecting the city itself. So I just had to include that one there and there because um, UFOs and it, it was kind of a wild one. I first read it, I was like, whoa, okay. Had not heard this story before. Very interesting to see this perspective. Um, I don't know what I personally believe in regards to this. See, like, like, all the other ones are, like, spooky ghosty stories, and, like, I personally believe that, like, if, like, something traumatic and terrible happens to an area, like, it can leave a, kind of, like, a scar on that land. Like, um, I believe that we all, you know, we all have energy in us, and if, like, something happens, like, is it really too far off to believe that, like, our energy can kind of stay there in an area and impact it? And maybe cause some stuff to happen. So, like, that's what I think kind of happens in cases of, like, the places that I've just, like, mentioned. Because they had very tragic occurrences and, like, loss of life kind of a deal. So, like, that to me makes sense. Um, I have never, like, encountered a underwater UFO kind of a deal. I have heard some stories about... Um, UFOs being encountered um, underwater, around water kind of a deal quite a bit. Um, and it happens even here in Florida, from what I've heard. Um, do I think that the UFOs have an underwater base off the coast of Mexico? I don't know. I don't have enough knowledge about that. Um, but I think it would be very interesting to um, hear from the president himself kind of a deal um, what, why he believes so strongly of this kind of um, phenomenon that could be happening there. And like, it's like kind of like why there too kind of a deal, but you never know. I, this is cryptid chat and we talk about the weird and the unexplained. And I don't think that there's many things in this world that 
I think are like far-fetched. So if you guys have more info on like like underwater UFOs and things like that or similar stories, also hit me up with them so I can um, add them to my personal brain collection. And maybe I'll come back to the story and see what's going on over there in Mexico um, in regards to hurricanes and UFOs. So our last official story has to do with um, also hurricane cyclones kind of a deal, but also tsunamis. So this is, we're going to be diving into the basically like the cultural, um, like cultural, what I'm going to refer to as like cultural storm superstition kind of beliefs in certain places in the world, like after storms have happened. how the belief in like the supernatural and stuff like that influenced um, the way that people coped and dealt with um, the trauma that they went through and how we have seen in certain places in the world when a tragic event happens, like a tsunami or devastating cyclone, um, how the accounts and reports of like paranormal activity and supernatural occurrences spike traumatically after that. So specifically, we're going to talk um, about a few different instances. So we have in May of 2008, Cyclone Nargis hit um, Myanmar and Burma, that area, and it resulted in over 138,000 people either being killed or going missing. So, again, a huge mass scale of loss of life in such a short period of time. So, what had happened was, is that after the, you know, after the cyclone came through and people began to basically, uh, you know, search, rescue, recovery, continue with their lives, about two weeks after the cyclone hit, there was a huge spike in ghost sightings and many encounters. So they started to pour in from all different areas um, that were affected by the cyclone. So people began to report saying that they were encountering apparitions of the dead or missing. Um, They would recount hearing voices, hearing people crying and screaming for help. Um, They began having nightmares and different dreams related to, um, again, the, the dead and missing. Um, some people reported like seeing somebody that seemed very real and very tangible and they suddenly disappeared, um, like lost loved ones coming back to them, etc. kind of a deal. And this wasn't just in like the survivors and the locals. Um, apparently like the military personnel that came in for like to help with the with the recovery efforts, also begin to experience some of these strange encounters. Um, this also, there were similar reports to this happening, this type of phenomenon happening in Fiji after Cyclone Winston came through. So, not only are these types of like paranormal spikes linked to um, hurricanes or storms, but also tsunamis, which is what we're going to bring in um, in recent history, the past two most like massive tsunamis that occurred, which were in 2004 and 2011, they also had a very, very similar supernatural aftermath kind of after it. So in both cases with the 2004 Indonesian tsunami um, and the 2011 uh, Japan tsunami, um, days after the devastation and 
when people began to like try to like continue forward with their lives, that's when locals and survivors would begin to see the ghost of the dead wandering and again hearing hearing noises, hearing the crying, hearing the wailings, and even reporting being possessed by the spirits of those who had lost their lives and like didn't know that they had died kind of a deal. So at least in, I want to say it was in Japan, um, priests were brought in, Buddhist priests were brought into the areas that were affected uh, to try and like ease what was going on. I know they also brought in priests into different areas of, of the of Indonesia and Sri Lanka and all these places that were so affected by that, by the other tsunami. Um, and basically the priests came in to just like try and provide solutions, answers to what the heck is going on with the people. So like in both cases, you know, shrines were built, prayers and chants were done to try to you know, appease the spirits, ward them off, help get them to, like, cross over kind of a deal. Um, blessings were done, and even exorcisms were performed in certain areas, um, and on people, actually, too. So, what all of these cultures have in common, um, besides being kind of similarly geographically located in, um, and, like, on that side of the world, is that most of these cultures are largely superstitious and they already have a belief in the spirits and the occult and things like that. So, um, for example, if the belief, if there's a strong belief that like souls of those who like die are stuck on earth because they weren't buried properly, because they were never found or because they uh, died so tragically and quickly that the they did not realize they died, like, um, if you have that belief in your, so largely embedded in your culture, then it would make sense that, like, when something horrifically tragic happens, it would manifest itself, kind of. And I read quite a few articles pertaining to this whole phenomenon happening in different places in the world. So most psychologists pretty much agree that these are not supernatural occurrences that may be happening, but rather they are the effects of PTSD, of post-traumatic stress disorder, basically of anxiety of attacks. It's just like on a mass scale. So due to the trauma of the event, so of the survivors actually surviving these horrific, uh, act, these horrific acts of mother nature kind of a deal, like there's the trauma of surviving and then the trauma of the aftermath and recovery, you know, um, sounds morbid, but like, you know, coming, coming across bodies and this, this and that, like seeing and knowing your loved ones have perished and like that can cause a lot of stress on the human body in the mind and the mind is very, very powerful. So it, you know, it's going to do what it needs to do to kind of protect itself or to like, kind of like explain, um, explain or cope with, um, what is happening. So it is largely believed that anytime, like, there's like crazy supernatural spikes after like a tragic event like this on a mass scale is that it's really just like the people are dealing with the trauma. But again, you, I don't fully dismiss it only as, uh, psychological. I do think that there may actually be some um, 
some truth to this because if you know we're looking at massive massive loss of life to give you perspective the japanese tohoku uh, tsunami in 2011 left an estimated 18,500 people missing or dead so that was like the single i think it was like the single largest loss of life in a day um, outside from like the atomic bombs dropping in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So this is like, it's, that's crazy. That's a lot of people. And then again, with the 2004 Indonesia tsunami, um, Indonesia, I keep saying Indonesian, but it's the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, an earthquake, subsequently, there was about 227,898 people that were either died or went missing and were never found. So massive, massive loss of life that happens in like the blink of an eye. So um, maybe there is, you know, maybe there are just souls that could never leave that are stuck. Um, maybe they are, you know, there are some truths to these supernatural occurrences. You can Google, um, especially around the, like, um, can, like, concerning the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. There's a lot of stories um, from locals about their encounters with spirits and different things. Like, I was reading the story of a taxi driver that he, uh, he had, like, a minivan that he uses as his taxi service. He did survive the tsunami, and he later, I think it was like a few weeks after, he was in the region, like the little touristic area, and he had a couple that came up to him and requested him to take him to this one beach, and he was like, okay, cool, sounds great, and it was like um, a, a foreigner with his like um, local wife or like girlfriend. And he describes that once he arrived there, he looked in his back seat, and lo and behold, there was nobody there. And I actually think that this man, if I remember his story correctly, he ended up quitting, like, ta like doing taxi services because he just couldn't get over the trauma and the likelihood that this could happen again kind of a deal to him. So that's crazy. There's also, like, stories of, like, people, like, hearing, like, those people that lived, like, near, like, the the really fancy tourism hotels um, recounted like hearing like screaming and wailing of people asking like begging for help, but there's nobody there. It had already been cleared out and it's just like, ugh, that's terrifying. There was like a security guard to one of these hotels that like he quit his job because of this. He couldn't take it anymore. Like, oh my gosh, that's horrific. Like, ugh. and then most of the time I was looking at these most of the time, Especially, like, in the, again, in the Indian Ocean tsunami, like, a lot of the places that were devastated, there was a lot of foreigners there on vacation that were lost uh, besides just locals. And for some reason, a lot of the encounters that are um, reported are people seeing the ghost apparitions of foreigners that died there um, were, were missing, like, by assumption kind of a deal, so... Very interesting, very tragic, very sad, um, but also goes to show partially the impact your the impact cultural and religious beliefs have on the human psyche, as well as the impact of trauma to the human mind as well. 
So, you know, our minds are very powerful things. So are we, are we creating these things in our heads to cope? Or is it like a byproduct of that? Or are we physically manifesting things? Again, you know what I'm going to say? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. So very tragic, very tragic events uh, that occurred in these different parts of the world. Um, and hoping that these people are being, are, you know, it's, it's been some years, but still are, are we are able to cope a little bit better with the tragedies that occurred. And hopefully whatever is haunting them, whether like legitimately haunting or just like haunting them, their memory um, will give will eventually leave them and give them some type of peace so there you have it folks these are just a few stories that i was able to pull out spoopy storm stories or storm related stories um different legends and ghosties and beyond um having to do with again storms yay um it is about 9.44 as I'm recording this right, right now. And I still don't hear any rain outside of my window. I still don't see any rain outside my window. And according to my weather app that I'm looking at right now, um, pretty clear skies. We should maybe be getting some rain overnight. Maybe tomorrow during the day, maybe not. So apparently we will remain unscathed here in Florida. But I hope you guys enjoyed those stories. A little bit of research I was able to scavenge up about these different ghosties, legends, UFOs and beyond kind of a deal. I did have a few notable mentions that I didn't include because it, to me, they kind of warranted their own, um, talk and then I've also kind of talked about some of them a little bit before like anytime I think about storms I'm always thinking about the conspiracy theory with the harp uh program this idea that like like there could be something some type of weapon that could control or like cause storms or hurricanes on a mass scale to happen and some people think that like like in the past like century or so any like massive like uh, storms and tsunamis and earthquakes and things like that that happened could have been like triggered by the harp weapon kind of a deal. Um, I talked a little bit about that in like the I did a cons a like conspiracy theory live Instagram live with my sister and I talked a little bit more about that. But if you guys want, I don't mind talking about it on another episode too. And then another one that I didn't pop in was. Um, just in regards to my home island, Puerto Rico, with Hurricane Maria and the whole issue with the death toll, controversy, conspiracy theories that were thrown out. It's how, like, um, initially they had reported that there was only, like, 16 deaths following the hurricane, and then it was, like, 64. But, like, the people, like, people, my family included, and others that live there that we know talked about like how horrific the conditions were and how they definitely know that way more people died than was being reported and then there was like a lawsuit and a whole bunch of crazy things happened and so like the um the official estimate that was then done 
in 2000 and uh, I think it was 2018, I believe they um, gave the um, the death toll to Hurricane Maria being closer to around like 3,000 people or so dying, um, which is pretty crazy because that makes it like, if that's the case, then that makes it um, the third deadliest United States hurricane. So um, very, very rough. Um, and there was just a lot of conspiracy theories about it because like certain government officials in power that shall not be named, so I don't start political fights on my podcast, um, were basically saying, like, it's impossible. Like, there was not that many people that were killed. How could you go from 64 to 3,000? That can't be it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it can if there's not proper policies in place and whatnot. And there's actually, um, there's strong rumors that there's still, like, morgues and, like, freezers full of, like, bodies that were never recovered or even counted in places in Puerto Rico. So I could do an entire episode on Puerto Rico. You guys know I've already done a series on it, but like I could do a whole episode on just Hurricane Maria and the horrible, like the horrible things that happened, how it wasn't taken care of properly and how like it's still affecting the people to this day kind of a deal. But I'm not going to go off on that tangent right now because this is this specific episode, but it is a very like noteworthy shout out kind of a deal um, along with the harp conspiracy theory. Cause we love conspiracy theories also. Uh, I wasn't, I tried to find like a storm related cryptid, but like the only thing I could think of off the top of my head was like Thunderbirds and how they're like, you know, it's the belief from um, native Americans that they have the ability to like cause like thunder and lightning it's in the name. Um, but I wanted to, like, really, like, I guess, like, find, like, a cryptid that was, like, really tied with storms kind of a deal. And I wasn't able to find one. Um, if you guys know one, please let me know. I would like to know of said stormy cryptids. But other than that, guys, that is my live podcast episode from inside of now tropical storm isaias yay so thank you guys for listening for tuning in for um sticking around even when my roof did not fly off and no rain poured at all i want to give a special shout out to all of our supporters to the podcast and also a extra special shout out to all of those other podcasts in the supernatural, cryptid, and paranormal community that have given us here at Cryptid Chat so much support and love. I love and appreciate every single one of you. If I was going to go right off the top of my head and mention some peeps, some supporting peeps, I've got a little list here. Let me pull it up. So some of my supporting peeps and podcasts I think you should check out include Anxious and Afraid, the pod. They are great. Love those girls. We also got, of course, Jeremiah over there at Bigfoot Society. He was one of the first people that ever interviewed me. And he is awesome. Um, Strangeology, not a podcast, but absolutely awesome information. 
um, about cryptids and aliens and stuff like that. So if you like that, check him out over there. We have the Moth Boys podcast. Y'all really crack me up. And yes, you guys are like responsible for like an injury of mine, which is apparently a trend you guys have. <laughs> I'm thinking of other podcasts that I would like to shout out in my given time frame here. We also have Monsteropolis. Thank you guys for the recent shout out. I so appreciate it so much um, for the love that meant a lot to me. Somewhere in the Skies. Love that podcast. Anything about UFOs you want to learn, head over there. And then one of, one of my favorite podcasts with me and my sister are is Scared to Death. Um, it is, as the name implies, does scare me to death. You guys know I'm not good with spoopy stuff, like really, really spoopy stuff. And they are excellent storytellers. And I have like definitely not listened to any of the podcast episodes like past like sunset because I'm too scared. Um, but yeah, there's so many podcasts I could mention. Monsters Among Us, The Ghost Story Guys, our spoopy podcast. Like, there's so many awesome, awesome, awesome podcasts. And if I've forgotten you, I will get you guys next podcast. But yeah, thank you guys, all of these podcasts and more for either support in our podcast or just being awesome in themselves. I encourage you guys to check other podcasts, and other content creators as well. Always support the community. I'm so gracious to be a part of this community. I hope that once this whole COVID mess is done and everything can kind of get back to a normalcy, that we will all see each other in person, in different festivals and conventions again. Until then, guys, you know, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you guys for your love of this community, for the support of this community. And please remember to stay safe out there, whether there's a hurricane or not out there. Just stay safe, stay healthy, my friends. And I will, well, I, I almost said see. Man, I really need to get over that. And I will hear you guys, or you will hear me, <laughs> again for another episode of Cryptid Chat real soon. So good night, folks. That's it for this one.